Okay, before we run off, why don't you have a seat and I'll have the children's talk with you guys right up here, okay? Yeah, I always bring something for you to look at during Pastor. children's talk, Pastor, but today Pastor. I did not. Oh, we have more children. Don't we have anybody else who wants to come forward? Bert? No? Okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to go with you guys then. Okay. Now, the last time I did a children's talk for Ascension Day, I brought a helium balloon. And the point was the helium balloon would go up, and by the time it would eventually come back down, it would be all sad and wrinkled and awful. You know, it would stay up for many, many years, maybe even, or, or maybe just for a day, but eventually the helium would leak out and it'd come back. And, but when Jesus comes back, when he comes back, he is going to come back in glory. Now, I asked one of you before about if you knew of any people who could fly. Do you know of anybody who can fly? Yeah. Well, he didn't actually fly. He was taken up to heaven. But we have lots of ideas about people can fly. When I was young, it was Superman. And then it was Iron Man and Thor and all these other make-believe people, right? They're all just make-believe people. Spider-Man can fly. Well, he more swings, doesn't he? And then he, he does kind of like controlled falling. But, yeah, but you're right, you're right. So they're, but the thing that they all have in common is they're fun to think about, they're fun to watch, and they're all make-believe. It is cool to fly, yeah. But our Lord Jesus is so very real. He is so real that we cover our church with whole pictures of, of what we think our beautiful Savior would look like. We call our church Beautiful Savior. We know that when he comes again, nobody's going to wonder, oh, is, is that Jesus? Because we're told that when he comes again, he's going to come with the sound of trumpets and the voice of the archangel of God, and Christ will come down with thousands of angels. And boy, you're not going to be able to miss that, are you? Yeah. So... We know that our Lord is real. We know that he now reigns at the right hand of God. We know that he's going to take us home. And one day, he's going to come again and give us a new heaven and a new earth. He's not like some sad balloon. He's not like a make-believe superhero. He's my Lord and my God. And we come to him in prayer. Lord Jesus, you've invited us to come to you when we're weak, when we're scared, but also when we are strong. Help us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to live in true faith in the one who truly did ascend into heaven and will come again. Amen. Thanks for coming up. And thanks for singing. You know, we don't clap in church when the people sing. But now afterwards, I can certainly invite you to show your appreciation for Dan and Judy and all of the children. Okay, you can return.
of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The resurrected Jesus was with his disciples for 40 days, and then he returned to his Father. So on the 40th day after Easter, we celebrate his ascension. And as any calendar would tell you, that means it always falls on a Thursday. It would be this coming Thursday. We're not meeting again on Thursday, are we, Dan? No? Not for church. Okay. So we're observing it. We're celebrating the ascension of the Lord today. 
Our celebration of Ascension Day is, is kind of fascinating. Not only do we move it around, we never say, well, you know, it's Christmas-ish. So let's not celebrate Christmas on the 24th and 25th. But we don't have any trouble moving Ascension Day around. And you know, there are no Ascension presents under your Ascension tree. There is no Ascension money or Ascension eggs. It doesn't have the traction of Christmas and Easter. But many people say, oh, it's really a shame that so many of the Christian holidays become so secularized. If only there were one that wasn't so secularized and belonged to the church alone. Well, in America, we've got one. It's Ascension Day. So why don't we celebrate it? We have the music for it, not only in the hymns that we sang and are going to sing this morning, but also in one of the most justifiably famous pieces of Western music, the Alleluia Chorus from Handel's Messiah. Now most of us associate that stirring piece of music with Easter, but if you listen to the words, that's not really what it's about. It celebrates Christ's ascension and his ruling at the right hand of the Father. Consider the words, Alleluia, Alleluia, for the Lord omnipotent reigneth. When does that happen? After he ascends to the Father and indeed when he comes again. King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever. And here's the real tip-off. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I was going to play it for you today, but it's four and a half minutes long, and besides that, I have it on a CD player, and I didn't know we had any CD players here at church, so now I know better. But it doesn't matter because for many of us, it's already playing in our heads. I listen to this piece of music and let it wash over me and heal me and thrill me every year at this time. It was one of the first CDs I ever bought for use in ministry. Christ retaking his place in glory where he had been before he came down to earth is a mind-bending truth. You know, Ascension Day is a national holiday, not in America, but in 20 different countries around the world. Some of them Catholic, some of them Protestant. Some of these countries you may have heard of it is still, that Thursday is still a national holiday in a place called Germany, Austria, Belgium, Switzerland, Denmark, Finland, France, Haiti, Iceland, Indonesia, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, Madagascar, 
Namibia, the Netherlands, Swaziland, and Norway. It's one of the most significant and yet most neglected observances of the church here. And part of the reason is that it's so misunderstood today. Christ's ascension does not mean that he's gone away and is no longer here with us. To the contrary, shortly before that event, Jesus had met with his disciples in another place, up in Galilee, sometime during that 40 days. You remember what it was like. He told them at Easter, meet me in Galilee. He told that to, the, to one of the disciples. He told that to the women. The angels delivered the same message. You have an appointment. Get to Galilee. He's going to meet you there just a couple of days from now. So what did they do? We've already talked about this. They stayed in Jerusalem and put bars on the door. So he came to them instead. A week later, guess what? Jerusalem again. We don't know if they went to Galilee and back in the meantime or if they just stayed there in Jerusalem. But one thing we do know is that when he ascended into heaven, it was from just outside Jerusalem, just over the Mount of Olives near Bethany. But while he was with his disciples there in Galilee, when they finally did show up there, he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as St. Paul blessed us with this message this morning in our epistle, Jesus is now far above all rulers, authorities, powers, and lords, and any other name that can be named, not only in this present world, but also in the world to come. Because God has put everything under the control of his Christ. He made Christ the head of everything for the good of the church. This is why we call him Lord. The church is Christ's body, and it completes him as he fills everything in every way. Because of the ascension, the church is created. Yes, his body was taken up to heaven, but St. Paul clearly tells us his body is still here with us, for we are the body of Christ. We are the church. Because of the ascension, the church is empowered. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. And this always startled me. Greater works will he do than those I have done. Now, not the redemption of all people. That only Jesus could do. In all of heaven and earth, only Christ could get us our redemption. But he says, greater works than these you will do because I am going to the Father.
When I asked one of my professors about this in college, he said, Jesus healed many during his earthly ministry. But how many has he healed through the church, which after all is the institution that invented hospitals? Jesus welcomed the lost, but how many orphans have been taken care of by orphanages, which were started by the church? Jesus preached and taught multitudes, but how many more have heard Christ's words through the preaching and the teaching of the church and through the witness of its members, through the moms and the dads and the grandpas and grandmas and the Sunday school teachers and the Christian day school teachers? and maybe even the casual conversations. Christ continues to work through his body here on earth, though his personal body has ascended to the heavens. Jesus once fed 5,000 at a time. But how many has the church fed? God has always chosen to work through the words and the work of his people. We saw Jesus choosing people for tasks all through his ministry. It's one of the things that I kind of like about the, the study that we're doing uh, on the chosen. That Jesus not only calls people to follow him, but to do stuff. And he certainly calls them in this day and age. He calls people not only to follow, but to care and to love and to comfort, to witness and soothe and proclaim. He does so even at the cross. Many of you were here on Good Friday when we went through the various words of Jesus. You know, when I first started out as a pastor, in well, my first call from the seminary was to the seminary. And I turned that down. And they said, you don't turn down a call to the seminary. And I said, evidently you do, because I just did. And they gave me a call to go to Chicago. And I was there three and a half years before I went to Concordia Seward for the next 11 years. And during the three and a half years that I was in Chicago, I was always the low man on the totem pole for the pastors in the area. I was the only newcomer. People tend to stay put in Chicago. And we had a round robin for every Lent. We had a round robin where a preacher would make up one sermon and take it to various different parishes. You'd have a different preacher each week. And when I got out to Seward, I didn't have a church at all. I was the chaplain, the dean of the, of the, of the chapel, and, and a professor. I didn't have a church, but I wanted to be part of that round robin, and so once again I was on the low man of the totem pole. Now we divided up the words of Christ, 
And people had plenty of things to say about it is finished. And everybody wanted to talk about I thirst and, and some of the other. Today you will be with me in paradise. Or Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But you know what? Nobody wanted behold your mother. Behold your son. So I always got that one. And the first couple of years I resented it and I did what I could. But then it occurred to me that Jesus was keeping the commandments of God even from the cross. He was honoring his father and mother. His father who was no longer there. His mother who would need him even after he was gone. And so he turned her care over to someone he trusted. Someone who knew he who he knew was not perfect. But was a believer and was present and was someone that he loved and trusted, even with his own mother. He chose the disciple whom he knew would live the longest. And he made sure that her safety and welfare lay in the hands of a real person who sought in all things to serve God. But God could have cared for Mary the way he did. Elijah could send ravens to, to feed Mary for the rest of her life on their regurgitated food. But that's not the life that he envisioned for his mom. Even Elijah, during that famine, eventually had to break camp. And where did he go? To the house of a mother. Not his own mom, but a, but a mother and son whom God had chosen to care for the prophet. Now you might think that I included this personal memory simply because it's Mother's Day. Well, in all honesty, that is why it occurred to me. But I include it for a different reason. Jesus knew there would be work to be done even after he paid the world's price of redemption. Even after he was risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God, his mother would have to be taken care of. The world would have to know of that, a, that salvation was accomplished. And he chose his disciples for that task. God has always chosen to work through the words and the words, words and the work of his people. The disciples were chosen to be his witnesses after Jesus' ascension, that repentance and the forgiveness of sins could be proclaimed through the whole world, beginning in Jerusalem. And today, we are his chosen. We are among the more than one billion who call on his name and witness to his truth. Repentance and forgiveness and grace and godliness still need to be proclaimed. And Jesus has decided that you're the ones to do that. 
And as we do his work and love his people, let us cherish and be strengthened by the perspective of the Holy Spirit. He has caused it to be recorded in the fourth chapter of the letter to the Hebrews. We don't know who wrote it, but he wrote it by inspiration of God. And it tells us of Christ with his church. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, beginning at verse 14, we hear, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold our confession fast. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of any need. God has gone up with a shout and he has left us to share the news. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Amen.